are doing another podcast. All right. What is up, guys? Uh, my name is Skylar Holzman. I am the WBBR Sports Director, and this is our now podcast, Big Red Banter. Uh, I am here with my co-hosts, the boys slash the men, as formerly referenced to in previous episodes. Uh, very hyped to have them on uh, on a sunny day. Please, guys, take it away. What's up, everybody? This is Jake here on – it is a beautiful day. Uh, I got to go outside today, so I'm happy about that. But I'm inside now and ready to have some banter. Same here, Jake. Mike Seitz coming at you live from the sunny slopes of Long Island. Definitely made an effort to sit out today and got a nice tan. So, uh, well, you actually do not look that tan. I'm not going to lie, bro. Like, <laughs> like, don't, like, I know you think you can front here, like, you know, because it's like a podcast, but like, I got to, I got to keep you grounded, man. Like, oh, don't, what is, what is moving your hair going to do? Moving it <laughs> Show more of your whiteness. You can see the tanness, the golden bronze. We'll just call it like a bad angle and like the, the the lighting in your room with your blue background, your dark blue background that shows the contrast to your white face, uh, you know, is, is, you know, is messing up the fact that you're actually tan. Cool. Mike, I think uh-huh. you look great. Thanks, Jake. <laughs> Got your back. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, I went on a hike today too. It was, it's really hot outside, but at least it's outside. So, cool. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, let's, um, Let's get it going. Let's just go. Uh, so, um, in uh, the MLB, it was, there's obviously there's no really Cornell news to report, um, uh, except we still don't know what the deal is next fall. Haha, uh-huh. please let us know. Uh-huh. Uh, thank you. Um, <laughs> uh-huh, nice. we love it. <laughs> I love being in purgatory. Um, so, <laughs> so <laughs> MLB, MLB players. Uh, so, I don't know, there's a lot of debate. We'll get, we'll get more into this debate later. Is that right, Jake? Oh, you bet. You bet. I'm trying to keep things PG, but, you know, we're going to get heated, and I'm excited for it. Before we get heated, let's get everybody caught up a little bit and just let's just intro it. A lot of, uh, there's a lot of debate in the MLB world about, you know, like the players potentially taking a salary cut, um, you know, because the season's going to be shortened. Um, players weighing in on this, uh, you know, Blake Snell, uh, former sound winning pitcher for the Rays, uh, have a lot to say about him later uh trevor bauer who's just the man just always looking uh to start an argument he used to pitch for the indians he also had a weird uh warm-up routine oh jake you look like you like you're gonna say something sorry what, what was that? well uh <laughs> trevor bauer always has something to say and he's not pitching for the indians no more he got traded i believe with right to the reds yeah the reds the former mets pitcher right were they on the same staff at the same time? Ooh. Now you're getting into territory I'm not sure of. But a lot of players, vocal and not vocal, have said a lot of things. Harper, who was a very vocal player, has Harper, exp- he, yeah. he was like he was like uh he, he like laid out a plan on Instagram or something for like a uh, on hundred and thirty eight game se- or hundred thirty five game season in hundred thirty eight days with like double headers on weekends, like one day off every like month or something like something crazy like yeah Brian Harper's not a pitcher, so I I you know that that plan doesn't look great on pitchers arms but you know what 
props to him for being proactive, I guess. I, I mean, yeah, like, I'm glad he's got ideas, but also, like, there's no way you're going to play 135 games. Even if some of them are, like, the seven-inning uh, seven inning games that he, like, suggested instead of, like, nine-inning games, like, seven-inning doubleheaders, like, there's, you're not going to get 135 games. No one's going to want to do that. Like, you're not going to be able to sleep. You're just going to, like, everyone's going to be overexhausted. Everyone's already tired anyway because their training schedules got completely messed up. So, like, they're going to be out of shape. I don't know. Um, yeah, although the MLB apparently is going to start in July, which is what I heard. Um, maybe have like a spring training kind of in June. Uh, and then they'll play, I don't know, maybe maybe half the season, like maybe 82 games. And also idea of a universal DH was floated around. I like that. Um, I like that. I do yeah. like that. I, yeah. I mean, I don't, given that pitchers strike out pretty much 90 to 95% of the time they're at the plate right. or worse ground, right. ground into double plays and are just not offensively capable as I mean, some there are exceptions to this rule, but you know what? A DH kind of gives older players a chance to keep playing. Plus, it's just more fun to watch, better entertainment. It, I mean, it would only be temporary for this crazy season because, and I get it, you know, the National League has that tradition of making the pitcher bat. But give it a try. <laughs> I'd be happy to see some results like that. I would say, I will say the other side of this is it's always been funny to watch interleague play and watch American League pitchers that have not hit in like seven or eight years just look yeah. like they have no idea what's going on at the plate. Like that is my favorite thing to watch. I've seen, I've seen American League pitchers like take a swing while simultaneously like stepping out of the box because like it's funny how they'll throw like 95 but never have any idea what it looks like as a batter. So like you're scared out of their minds. You ever see CC Sabathia taking at bat? Top ten thing you'll ever see. This is a three hundred and thirty pound, six foot whatever dude trying to swing a baseball bat, and it just has no coordination. Love him as a pitcher. It's just so you go. He's hit a few home runs in his career. I actually I watched the highlights. It was like a one minute video because that's all of his career batting highlights. (laughs) But but he's actually hit a few home runs in his career. I think. Listen, Uh, listen, gentlemen. Not not every pitcher can be a home run. Hitting beast like Bartolo Colon, man. <laughs> Big sexy. <laughs> Dude, oh my God. I watched that live. I think I cried. I think I cried when he hit that home run. Oh my God. <laughs> and he hit it off of James. Who did he hit it off of? Was it like James Shields? Was it uh, starting pitcher? No. Who did he hit it yeah, off of? It was Shields. Whoever it, it was. was Shields. Yeah. That's <laughs> so hilarious. Like, like, they'll be immortalized. Because that's the day that their career ended. Like you can, you can win like six World Series. You can throw like twelve, um, I don't know, twelve perfect games. Uh, like your career, your career is over after that. Um, we also uh, uh, MLB draft shortened. Apparently, we have more commentary on that later. Do we yeah. not, Jake? <laughs> Went from forty rounds to five rounds. Uh, and also, um, normally you can sign an undrafted player for a maximum of $200,000. Uh, that maximum has now been reduced to $20,000. And, um, yeah, that's what's changed. We'll give more opinions on it when we get a little more red in the face. Hint, hint, wink, wink. Oh, boy, but, I got to stick around. Stick yeah. around for these segments, guys. We're having a new segment pretty much every week. And by every week, I mean the last two weeks. So um, stick around for that. Uh, moving on to the NFL, this these both like these both basically have nothing to do with football. Um, 
but uh so so the nfl had this thing um where like you could bid to watch a game an nfl game with roger goodell in his basement right um and uh the highest bidder you know the money would go to a charity and the highest bidder gets to do that um the winner of it was this dude named dave portnoy who's the never like founder <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah he's not he's not really that big into the sports or anything i mean like he i mean he did found barstool sports but like i mean other than that like he doesn't really care that much um gotcha, he's been gotcha. <laughs> he uh this man um trolls roger goodell all the time uh he has uh he has a shirt um i'm not sure if it's like pg or r what it says about goodell but it says something about goodell uh, it says like he's a clown or something like that um so i don't know if they're gonna let this happen but uh some of the video content that barstool sports produces like this would be prime time prime time content i'm not even sure i'm not sure if they're gonna let a video camera down there i don't know what do you guys think well, if you're Goodell, you're probably not letting a private camera crew in your house. <laughs> Given who Portnoy is. I know. He's, he, he won fair and square, though. <laughs> There's no way to circumvent this. <laughs> 250K. Like, you're not going to turn – you're not going to be like, nah. 250K. Totally worth it. That's nah, Dave. No. Like, let him in, dude. Uh, guys like guys named Dave are killing it right now. Dave Portnoy, uh, killing it. Uh, Dave Bird, uh, also known as Little Dicky, um, has a show that became the highest rated show on, uh, I think FX ever, highest rated comedy show on FX ever. Um, and I don't know, all you Daves out there, like you're probably having a good <laughs> to time. To all right you now. Daves out there, I hope you're doing Thriving. Thriving. <laughs> <laughs> Although you, historically on the show, it's been like mics, you know, all the mics. Um, so, uh, so Very switch it up true. and give it, give it up for the Daves. Um. <laughs> and then the other thing is, uh, I don't know if you guys heard about this news. YouTuber Logan Thirty Acre, he has like he, he has like this this puppet stuff. Like I don't, I can't even explain it better than puppet like videos on YouTube. But apparently, he's making almost a million a, uh, a day at one point. Uh, and so he paid eight hundred thousand dollars to have dinner with Tom Brady because he's a big fan of Tom Brady. Um, do you guys think dinner is worth with Tom Brady is worth eight hundred thousand uh, dollars? No. <laughs> surprisingly i don't even find that to be the most like debatable part of that story how is this kid this youtuber playing with puppets getting national attention getting paid millions of dollars i don't even i have no idea i have no idea that's like that's that's content that like you accidentally find and you like watch you know 15 seconds of it and you're like i can't believe somebody let this on the internet and then you keep moving um, Wait, please, please explain to me exactly what he does. Has, has anybody actually seen a video of this? Because I have not. No. I've never seen a video. I'm going to have to. Unfortunately, I've never seen a video. Or, I mean, fortunately, I've never seen a video. But I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm going to have to go check it after. <laughs> well, I want to see how this kid makes his millions. I want to know how this kid can drop 800K for one dinner with his hero. Like, the dude's, a, the dude's such a weirdo. She's a creep. Like, every interview I've ever heard. He, he's like, he comes up as a creep. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, yeah. It makes well, me think. What, 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 what fine, you know, what fine gentlemen as ourselves, what are we going to do with all this big red banter dollars coming in through the windows almost, it seems like? Or what are we going to have our own specialty dinner with with some famous people? 
Well, oh my God, like, let, me, let me put it this way, fellas. If it comes down to a group vote, if we're spending $800,000 to have a meal with Tom Brady, I'm voting no. Voting have dinner with <laughs> I'm voting have dinner with our GM, former GM Christopher Morales. Christopher Morales got to get his name in there. <laughs> it'll be it'll be an $8 dinner, not 800,000. <laughs> He's paying for himself. Wait, so do we each get two dollars? Oh, we're not including tips. So we each get like a dollar in, and then we'll leave like a really nice tip, like a fifty percent tip. We each spend a dollar on like some gum or something. We, we tip really well here at Banter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if anyone wants to send us money, uh, please do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you didn't give a reason. You just flat out begged for money. Not that desperate, but you know we're desperate. So. The NBA is the NBA has stuff going on. Uh, Last Dance, more updates is uh, uh Mike. Uh, have you been have you been following Last Dance per se? Of course, of course. And this tomorrow actually, because this episode we're recording this on a Saturday. The last episodes of the saga are tomorrow on Sunday. Gearing up for a big finale. Going to be very exciting. Relive some of MJ's greatest moments through the difficult times, the hard times, and the glorious victories. It's been a great documentary. But overall, what do you gentlemen think? I mean, this, this MJ doc for me, again, I'm an MJ guy. It has solidified him as the GOAT. For many people in, in my mind, in my eyes, as, as to what I've been hearing and reading about on social media, what do you all think? Why does it sound like time just slowed down for you when you're describing? <laughs> it's not going to make sense to anyone listening to this podcast at 1.5x, but Jake, was that just me or did he sound like... No, Mike, just... Mike, whenever Mike speaks, the world slows down to listen to him. If anything, it can power and... It's perfect. I don't know. I mean, the only input I have on this is uh, I love waking up every Monday morning, going on Twitter and seeing the debate between like the, and just seeing how everybody discussing the episode, like how in earlier stages it was like, oh, is MJ better than LeBron? And then after last week, it was like, oh, was MJ really a jerk though? I don't know. I, I usually get like the summary points after scrolling through a couple tweets Monday morning. <laughs> yeah, bro. Uh, he was a jerk in my in my eyes. You know, like honestly, he pushed he pushed the team. Yeah, but he was a complete jerk to everyone. He was a jerk. He's a jerk. Somebody fight me on that. He was a jerk. He's not a <laughs> he's the epitome <laughs> of leadership. You know, there was a very emotional clip. And and MJ, as strong as he is, I respect the heck out of this man. He teared up because he was speaking about the price of leadership that he couldn't always be a nice guy to his teammates because he had to be the one that was pushing them to be better than they were the day before, that was pushing them to go that extra mile, to do that extra rep, to make those hustle plays. And ultimately it paid off because that Bulls team, and we can get into this later, is one of the, the best of all time. Whether it's the greatest of all time is up for debate, but we can talk about that later. He's, he's a jerk dude he's just he's just a jerk i mean like i get like you gotta you gotta be like tough if you want like you know if you want respect from people but like i don't think lebron's a jerk but i think sometimes he like calls for fouls too much um yeah you, know. you don't think you don't think he i saw a clip of him calling his teammates his brothers 
and then the next day he's getting them traded. You don't think that's kind of like a jerk? I don't know, man. I don't know. I feel like I feel like MJ sort of and you know used like the coaching strategy of tough love. You know, like although he was no coach, he was a player, but. Sometimes you do, like, more times than not, especially when playing at a professional level, like National Basketball Association, you need someone on your team to encourage you to take the extra mile, do the extra rep, take the extra Look shot. at LeBron's – LeBron's also – he's, like, also respected as, like, a coach. He's, like, a coach figure. Like, you know what I mean? Like, when Ty Lue was coaching Bron and the Cavaliers, no. Like, Bron is deciding who's coming – he's deciding who's coming to the team. He's deciding, like, what plays you're going to run. He's deciding exactly how many points you score in a game. Like, if Braun, like, before a game, Braun goes up to Ty Lue and he's like, yeah, I'm taking a double-double this game. Like, I'm going 27-12. and 12. Ty Lue's going to be like, all right, cool. Like, you do you, man. Couldn't, That's couldn't just you say reality. he's somewhat of a jerk in that he's uncoachable? MJ had a wonderful relationship with Doug Collins, with Phil Jackson, with all these coaches, with both these coaches who – some he lost with, right? He didn't have he didn't have a great record with with uh, Doug in his early years. But then Phil came, wonderful relationship. And plus, Phil wasn't even using him like Doug Collins was. Doug Collins would get MJ the ball when he was young, and MJ would dominate, kind of like what LeBron does in ball hawk. And then once Phil Jackson came in, you know Phil's got that triangle offense. He's he's taking MJ. He's like MJ, pass the oh, ball, man. You're not you're not ball hard, bro, bro. The reason, like, the reason, the re- okay, like we're we're gonna have to cut this in. The, uh, but I really want to get the last word. And like I've just got to say, the reason Braun gets to <laughs> hog the ball is because like when it comes down to the last shot, like he's gonna take it. It's gonna be Braun, or you know what I mean. He also his assist. He's I think second all time. You know, second all time currently like current players in assist, I think behind Chris Paul or something. So like, honestly, like, I like the debate. Like we got to move on, but I like it. Like I like, I, think you can continue. I, ex- I expect, I expect the fire <laughs> to be conserved for when we come back. You got it, bro. Um, and then another NBA news, the players want the season to continue. And that's like, like because people are like, they don't, people are like, some people are like, they don't – they're just, like, in off-season. Like, they're just chilling. Like, no, they want the season to happen, bro. Um, and that's the, that's the rest of the NBA news that I have. Um, speaking, yeah, we, speaking of expectations, right, and then season uh, – people expecting the season to come back. What about the players? Let's transition to them a little bit more. So, I have some lacrosse news for you fine gentlemen. Most recently, there were two professional lacrosse league drafts. Now, we had – Premier Lacrosse League, PLL, which is the newest lacrosse league in the world. New, led by Paul Rabel, star midfielder. And we also had the Major Lacrosse League, the MLL, historically more established league, had their own draft. So let me give you the rundown here. MLL has been established, like I said, kind of a downward trajectory, right? They've been established, haven't had a lot of growth. Players like Paul Rabel, these guys at the top of the game, they go and found their own league in the Premier Lacrosse League, the PLL, right? So now you have these two leagues. You have all these guys in college, primarily in the Ivy League, the East Coast, these bigger lacrosse teams, and they're trying to decide where to go between these two drafts, right? Plus, at, at this time, you have the coronavirus going on. And people, again, their season's canceled, as we talked about throughout the show in later episodes, which, you know, if you're interested, go back and listen. Quick plug there. But anyway, you know, show. <laughs> naturally, naturally, Cornell lacrosse has been beastly. We know that. They're, they're the beast in the East. We know that. Ooh, you the world is back. 
you have now some of Cornell's best lax players. Any, anyone come to mind from you, from you two? Jeff It's got to go. Jeff T. That's going to be my gut reaction. Of course. Of course. So <laughs> we've been like, we've been like trained on this show. <laughs> when we're asking about lacrosse, say Jeff T. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> MLL, right? The older league, they had their draft first. They picked this guy Fletcher out of Cornell in the third round. They picked Jeff Teat in the fifth round, and they picked this guy Brandon Salvatore in the sixth round. Does that raise any suspicions for you guys? I mean, Jeff Teat a fifth round. Teat first overall I, is exactly, my question. Right? So let, let, let's build on this a little bit. Then, then the PLL, which is the better league, uh, it's, uh, it's not an objective statement, but it's generally regarded as the more competitive league. They took Teat. They had 14 total picks. They took him 12th overall. So why, so why do you guys think that Teat went so late? Well, I'll tell you why. There's still suspicion about whether these black guys in the Ivy League, in some Ivy League schools like Cornell, like where we go to school, if they're going to be able to come back somehow through some process of re-enrolling. And the coaches at the pro level are doubtful that if they draft Teat, would say number, number one or two or three overall pick, they don't know if he's going to be able to go to the pros because he might go back to Cornell to play. Same thing with his teammates. I mean, obviously, T comes first to mind. We know he's a tremendous talent. We don't mean to, to just, you know, cherry-pick him. There's plenty of other great Cornell players that also got drafted, like Fletcher and Salvatore, like I just said. But, again, with the future is uncertain, and you're basically – if you're the, the, these teams, you're, draft, you're wasting your picks almost if they go back to school because then you don't retain the rights to, to sign them when they're, if they declare again, if that makes sense. So it's all up right. in the air, boys. Right. I don't know, man. That's um, dude. That's I don't know. That seems seems sketchy to me. Like I, I it's gonna be tough for players to come back. Like that's the thing. It's gonna be really tough for anyone to come back to school and play another year. Like there's finances involved. Like I don't know. I don't know how the team like adjusts. Like I don't know what recruiting is gonna change. Like I. I feel like you just gotta you just gotta take the risk, especially because like if even if you're worried about it, if you draft a player higher that shows that you care, so the player won't they be more likely to sign anyway? Yeah, Very that's true. a good point. Like if like you want to do as much as you can to convince this player that they belong in this league, draft them higher, send a, send them a vow of confidence, and then they will return the favor by going that route. And look, obviously. Yeah. Even when you draft, like, I understand that there's always, you know, there's a there's a risk in uh, drafting a player who might come back to school, but there's a risk in drafting anybody. They might get hurt. They might not, you know, be able to yeah. play at that level. I mean, I understand that there's maybe added risk with Ivy League players, but risk is risk. And I really yeah. don't think that drafting them that much later really properly with that risk. I think I think the most recent exception I can think about is um, with Kyler Murray when he got drafted. I think he got drafted ninth overall. I think by the A's because he was a two sport athlete, right? And then yeah. and honestly, like and then he got and then he got drafted. What like was it first or second overall? Was it first overall? I think in the I think in the NFL draft. I yeah, definitely a lottery pick. Kyler was. Yeah, right, right. So like, so then like the you know the A's took a gamble on him. They drafted him high, and he just he chose football. Which like, I mean, it's gonna be fine. He's making bank. Like, it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. There's so there's so many factors that play into this. And listen, that we're talking about like Kyler as a two sport athlete. What about like a two league situation where the draftees you have two options: 
So money, money is involved, right? Who's going to pay you more? Where are you going to play with the better talent? It all factors in. And speaking of talent, I want to make a really quick point. Speaking yeah. about the PLL and lacrosse, they're coming right. back. NBC is going to broadcast their games starting on July 25th, which is, you know, the man's birthday. It's the man's birthday. Quick shout out. But, um, but, um, Give me one heck of a back. Thank you. Thank you. We'll watch this lacrosse. Yeah, Don't worry. We'll have a quick birthday party watching some lacrosse. <laughs> but, yeah, they got the, the pro last on TV coming up soon to bring back that league. So sports are coming back and starting with lacrosse. That's big time. That's big time. Uh, perfect transition into other sports coming back. Um, we got uh, we got NASCAR and golf coming back. Um, one of which I care about, and one of which <laughs> I don't at all. Um, so so we got uh, we got NASCAR actually. I don't know if you guys know this, but NASCAR is coming back tomorrow. Have you guys ever watched NASCAR at all? <laughs> Admittedly, I have never watched NASCAR. No, I can't but, say I have in like a full sitting. Yeah. Right. Although I will say it's the cup series. I don't know what that means, but it's a series. So that's cool. Uh, and it's the race includes uh, Ryan Newman, who uh, I don't know if anyone saw coverage of this, um, but at the Daytona 500 back when like NASCAR was, you know, before pre-coronavirus. Yeah, he, he covered this. Oh, we did. Right. He got a, he was in yeah. a terrible crash. Right. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Uh, and he only got a brain bruise, apparently, which is like props to him for almost yeah. dying and then only getting a brain bruise. That's impressive. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so he's actually he's gonna be racing in it, which is cool. Um, that's a pretty surreal moment. Uh, so like I don't know, props yeah. to him. It's almost like um, double perseverance there, persevering through an injury and persevering through a global pandemic there. Yeah, dude. That's gonna be. Uh, it's gonna be. It's gonna be cool. Like I, don't, I think. I yeah, totally justified, brother. You're in your car. Like just don't get into anyone else's car, and like you're good. Um, <laughs> I don't know why you do that. Like, you know, like, yo, let me take the wheel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's like carpool this race, man. <laughs> I wonder if carpooling is, is definitely not legal in NASCAR, but like, it'd be kind of, it'd be kind of wild. You had to stop and think. Wait, is carpooling like legal? <laughs> <laughs> it's like I'm just tossing it out. If NASCAR's ever listened to this, like, I don't know. I feel like it's a rule. It's a rule that it's like a, it's a solid. Rule. It, it, you should discuss it. Just discuss it. Um, in terms of golf. <laughs> Uh, you know, uh, we got the match, like match capitalized. The match, T and the M capitalized. March 24th, Tom Brady and Phil Mickelson versus Peyton Manning and Tiger Woods, uh, which will be commentated by Charles Barkley. Guys, that is Oh, a- my goodness. I like how Charles- the only way to get people interested in watching golf is to get other sports and their <laughs> I don't look, look, don't get me wrong. I think this is a cool initiative. And I would encourage it a lot of other different sports. And yeah. it's cool that golf is doing this. But at the same time, you can't help but notice that, like, wow. That's actually that's a really good point. That's so sad. Yeah, you can't even have four actual, like, golfers. You have to have two golfers. And then two, like, I don't know, two Hall of Fame quarterbacks. And then one Hall of Fame basketball announcer who's known for having a terrible, terrible swing. Um, I don't know if you, like, I, I went on, so, so Cornell had like, um, we had like, we had Hannibal Burris come, uh, who's, he's like, he's a comedian. Um, yeah, yeah, I he, saw him he, campus. Or right. He zoomed, well, he, I mean, yeah, he zoomed into our campus. There were like a bunch of people watching. Um, and he talked about, he actually wrote on SNL for a year and he talked about, he had one sketch go on SNL, one sketch. And it was a sketch about Charles Barkley having a terrible golf swing. And that was the only sketch that, uh, he, 
ever was written by him that actually made it onto the show. Just, I'm not going to yeah. lie. That was a bit of a stretch, but I'm really glad you did it because that's actually a cool story. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think when you saw the notes? You're like, what? What is going on? I mean, you got from point A to point B pretty darn well. And I was, the, I was along for the ride. I was very intrigued. I was like, how the heck can Hannibal Buress be involved with Charles Barkley in golf? But I was hooked. Thanks, bro. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's a wild story. I mean, people will be talking about this for, you know, hours after they listen to our episode. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, um, so UFC's back. Uh, they came back. Uh, I, I'm not, I can't even front. Like, I didn't watch it. I saw some of the memes. It sounded fun. Um, it was a silent arena. Uh, one thing I did hear was that some fighters, while they were, because they're obviously commentators, Joe Rogan, one of my uh, favorite comedians, he was also a former UFC fighter, and so he was uh, an announcer during it. Fear Factor uh, guy. Oh, he, I didn't, I've never watched Fear Factor, but yes, yes, that's the guy. Um, he actually, he was commentating. That's Joe Rogan. <laughs> he, was, um, he was commentating, um, and uh, uh, apparently with all the commentators that were there, like, some of the UFC athletes um, took advice during the fight because they could hear the commentary. They're like, oh man, this guy's got to get like, I don't know, this guy's got to get him into like a headlock. A headlock. I don't know, is, it, is that a move in the UFC? Sure, headlock. They're like, oh, the guy's got to get him in a headlock. And then the fighters were like, oh, I guess I got to get him in a headlock. And they did that and actually helped them like win some of the fighters. Although that may <laughs> not be exactly what was said, your logic was airtight. <laughs> I'm really stretching the news here. <laughs> let, let me tell no, you guys. This, let me let me tell you guys. Is. UFC 249. There was a ton, a ton of happenings out of this historic night. Besides, of course, the lovely Joe Rogan doing his thing. So we had we had Henry Cejudo, Mexican fighter. He actually retired, and it was so yeah. eerie. Because he retired and he gave his retirement, and there was no fans there, no cheering, and he was yeah. just talking to no one. And this this is a guy who was an all American wrestler in, in his youth, to, to my knowledge, worked his you know behind off to to get where he was, and became a a beast of a fighter in the UFC. I mean, a real pit bull. And now he's retiring, and it's almost anticlimactic to retire at such a weird time, and especially a weird venue with no fans, right? Yeah, well, because he, like, because he retired, like, as he won his match and then retired right after, right? <laughs> like, immediately after, he was like, they're like, you're the winner, and he's like, I'm done forever, or something like that. <laughs> something along the lines. Maybe he just right? wanted to end on a win, and no matter – how that win was achieved or who was there to witness it a win's a win dude it's like it's the same concept as like if you're uh, if you're shooting hoops in your like backyard or out in your front street or wherever you got your hoop like you got to make the last shot you know what i mean exactly exactly right? or like for baseball jake like what do you have to leave on you leave on a line drive like in the in i the have no i have to leave <laughs> i have to leave on a bomb like <laughs> It's funny, like you'll see my swing get more and more like I'm trying to hit it out of the park as I'm running low on balls. Uh, like my coaches and my dad have been like, "Why are you swinging for the fence?" I'd be like, "Because there's only three left." <laughs> right. 
Listen, listen, we're talking a lot about conclusions and ending remarks, right? But what, how about the quick introductions in this UFC event night, this fight night, right? We had this guy in Ganu. I don't know if you guys heard this, but he knocked out his opponent in 20 seconds. Thing is over. What? I hear about that. Yeah. Hello oh, my <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Is that an introduction or, or a conclusion? I don't know what it is, man. It happened all so fast. Yeah, but he did. Bro, like, bro, like, yeah, like, when I, it, it takes me, it takes me more than 20 seconds to figure out if something is an intro and conclusion. So every, everybody's just shook, I, I, I imagine. I imagine. Um, if I watched it, that's probably what I would have felt. Um, but listen, something that, that we can all agree on, and whether you watch it or not, we, we saw Tony Ferguson's eye. And that, that's about that needed no introduction nor conclusion. And it went on for seemingly forever. It went five rounds, and it was a long, gruesome <laughs> fight. I mean, did everybody see Tony Ferguson pre and Dude. post fight? Because he looked like a different person. Yeah, his eye was his eye was he could not open it. His eye was completely closed, like fully closed. Um, that, so yeah, five rounds of of beatings, man. He he's lucky he avoided orbital surgery um, on his eye because that thing you could lose your eyeball. Yeah, dude, you could you could die. Forget losing your eye. You could if you get hit in the right. I mean, like usually not, but maybe maybe you could. I feel like I would if I was fighting. Him. I, I saw, <laughs> I saw what this dude looked like. I saw what Tony Ferguson looked like after the fight, and let me tell you, he wasn't. You know, if I was on the one end of those punches, yeah, I'd be dead. I would have lost more than one eye. Well, listen, hey, listen, we're, what are you six eight uh, two eighty right now, Jake? Or are you Either way, uh, man, you're a whole different division. If I'm, if I'm built. Despite my height and weight, I don't know if I'm mentally built to stay alive in situations <laughs> like that. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, no, I don't know. I mean, yeah, despite your despite your physical like acceptability, you despite despite the fact that you could physically handle it, obviously, you yeah, you gotta you gotta work on the other side to your game. So like, understandable, understandable, that you weren't fighting, but like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> See me in the ultimate fighting ring. Shout out to Tony Ferguson for taking a beating. Yeah. Oh my God! Sacrifice, sacrifice his eye for the fans. That's kind of the highest form the fans of that weren't sacrifices. There. The fans that were not there. <laughs> oh my God. Jeez. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know. You see, you see, exciting, a little weird, but um, but a cool moment nonetheless. Uh, something else that actually did officially return today was Bundesliga. Um, the German soccer league, baby. Oh, my God. God like, I, I tweeted out this morning, days caring about the Bundesliga, colon, one. And you know what? It didn't get any likes, but it got my point across, okay? Which is that, like, <laughs> I am now a Bundesliga sports fan, <laughs> okay? So, um, Dortmund played today, right? Dormund played Schalke. 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 Yeah. Wunderbar. Um, Wunderbar. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Um. <laughs> Dortmund, Dortmund doesn't have the big – like, they don't have, like, Royce or Aubameyang, like, the big players they used to, but they have that young Polish kid, right? Yeah. Uh, er- Erling Haaland. 
Uh, I'm not. I'm not Polish? I thought he was. Polish. I thought he was Norwegian. Oh, Norwegian. He was Norwegian. He was Norwegian. It was the kid um, that made the big. That had the big game in the Champions League or the big start in the oh, Champions League. Yeah, that's the one. I think it was. And I yeah. think he's still like 19 or 20, to my knowledge. He's he's 19. I looked him up because I, I watched most of the game this morning. He's I looked him up this morning. He's, he's 19. Younger than me. Yeah, bro, dude. Yeah, I, we're are we all 20? Wait, Jake, are you you 20? I'm still 19. I turned oh, 20. You're pro, you, yeah, you're I turned 20. 20. Days after Mike. Oh wait, oh wait, Mike, you we said kind of have a, a big birthday week. Yeah, I'm I'm 25th. Jake, when are you? 30th. And this oh, guy Holland is 20 is is 21. I'm sorry, Scott. Yeah, he's July 21st, 2000. So you guys are all born like a week apart of each other. And dude. Now, if I ever meet him, I have a great conversation starter. Yeah. And, like, it, <laughs> if you look at the show. stats, it's <laughs> crazy because 33% of the people born between the 21st and the 30th of July are professional soccer players. In, in, out, of the three of, out of the three of us. Out of the three of you guys. I was like, where are you going with this? And you're like, oh, out of the three of them. And I was like, okay. 33% of the three of you. <laughs> um, but uh, no, and my my half birthday is um, July twenty sixth. So we'll pretend like it's my birthday. We're gonna have a major celebration. Oh my gosh! Awesome. Let's do it. Let's go. <laughs> Wait, well, talk to me about the game. Yeah, he so Dortmund actually they're second in their in the in the in the league rankings. Uh, they crushed the other team whose name I can't pronounce. Uh, and uh, they crushed them <laughs> for nothing. And actually, Holland, like this dude, uh, he was the he scored the first goal. For Dortmund. So he actually scored the first goal um, in any of the major five major European soccer leagues since like their last game. So first first soccer goal of like the post not post coronavirus, but like post delay due to the coronavirus. It was the first Europe big league European goal in a long time. <laughs> yes, basically. Just give this young kid all the records. He's he's barely getting started. I, yeah, I heard he could he could end up one of the best uh, players in like in the world potentially in a few years. So and he's gonna get his money. Um, so uh, so yeah, that's um that's a cool story. But honestly, let's uh, knock on a little bit. We don't want to change yeah. a nineteen year old. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I uh I don't know, man. That's a, that's pressure, but he seems to he seems to be handling it like just fine, which is better than uh, I, and most of us would handle it. Which is better than maybe the other sixty-six percent of the out of the three of you would have handled it. But also, like you know, different different situation. His father was also uh, uh, he also played professional soccer, so like he's got that upbringing. But um, <laughs> uh, other teams, other leagues have also. Uh, well, hold on, I don't think I. I not yeah, listen. This. Yeah, uh, other teams are returning to training, and I have this voice because I was paying attention to Real Madrid of La Liga in Spain. And as per their players in their little mini interviews recently, they said they're shaking off the rust. It's been a really weird time for them. Obviously, they're, they're not as sharp as they would want to be. And honestly, from what I read, they, they have not had such a great time training, uh, getting back there and getting back to the grind. And, you know, I think this is a really relevant, um, you know, problem in, in many athletes around the world because they've been confined to their houses and look let's be honest juggling uh, a toilet roll you know a toilet paper roll for, for a, ch a viral challenge is much <laughs> different than playing and training for professional soccer
Hey guys, uh, it's Skyler. Um, I just wanted to let you guys know, before we get to the second part of the show, uh, that next week we will have a very special episode of Big Red Banter being released. Uh, a couple interviews with some of Cornell's esteemed wrestlers. Really cool guys, really great conversation, very excited to have talked to them. And um, so definitely keep an eye out for that. Uh, definitely take a listen when you get the chance. All right, thank you guys, and enjoy the second half of Big Red Banter. All right, uh, welcome back, guys. Um, so now uh, we get into our even more segmented part of the show, also known as Red in the Face. And uh, I'll start it off um, where I get pissed off about some stuff in the sports world. You know what really grinds my gears? <laughs> TikTok. Okay. Fame on TikTok. Look, look, if you're TikTok famous, good for you. I just want you to know that I don't care. I think it's a terrible idea. Um, I also think, to relate this to pro sports, I saw a video last night of Davo Swinney, head coach of the Clemson championship winning football team, make a TikTok. It was one of the cringiest, if not the cringiest things I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, worthy of me almost wanting to gouge my eyes out, but then I realized what like Ferguson's eye looked like, and I was like, nah, I, I'm gonna leave my eyes in. <laughs> but it was almost that bad. Okay, some people should not be allowed on TikTok. It's better if you're pro athlete or like a coach or something. Belichick would never do that. That's the respect I have for Belichick. He would never go on TikTok. Okay, stay in your lane. You can't act. You're great at playing sports. You cannot act. You cannot make a TikTok. Please do not try and make a TikTok. You're, you just anger me, and you anger everyone who sets eyes upon your TikTok. Thank you. That is my time. Wait. Can I just add? Can I, yeah, Jake, go. Jake, go. I, I just – I love how we're, we're transitioning this hate into TikTok because you want to know who else had a TikTok and then deleted it because of, like, getting so much hate? Alex Bregman, a filthy cheater. <laughs> That's, that's all I would say. I thought this was the perfect time to bring that up. We might take it away. I was going to just say, on on uh, speaking of coaches and TikToks, I think we can all agree the only coach that really should and doesn't have a social media account or access to one or access to TikTok or whatever you want to do yeah. is Coach O from LSU because I want to hear some more Go Tigers. Go Tigers. Yo. <laughs> I actually fully agree. I had not considered Coach O as a possibility, but oh my god, oh dude, people people would love him. Oh my god, yo, we need to get that message out there somehow. Coach O needs to get a TikTok. I, I mean, like he can do whatever he wants too. I mean, he just won the national championship, and I, I if I forget if he already got a lifetime contract or not from LSU, but like, dude's a beast uh, and got a great voice. Um, so. So I agree, actually. That's that's a really good point. <laughs> I never thought about that. Um, but yeah, very cool. Um, Jake, toss it over to you, bro. All right, Skyler. You know what really grinds my gears? What, sir? MLB owners. The MLB owners have done two things that really grind my gears, and I'll get into both. First, I want to talk nice. about what they draft. As we previously mentioned, the MLB owners uh, agreed to cut the draft from 40 rounds to five rounds. And look, the idea was that this sends the message that the MLB owners can't afford to pay 40 rounds worth of players. And it's sending the message that their wallets are hurting. And we'll get more into their wallets hurting excuse later. 
But yeah. in the long run, this is really only hurting the owners because you are cutting 35 rounds worth of players and a lot of amazing players. Hall of Famers have been from later rounds. Uh, yeah. Jacob DeGrom. Um, I, I had a yeah. list in my head. But also uh, Nolan Ryan, <laughs> Jose Canseco. Uh, there's a whole – these are just three yeah. names. There's a lot more players who were drafted really late and are just absolute stars. I mean, Nolan Ryan is the greatest pitcher of all time, and he was drafted like 12th round. Like, you really don't yeah. know – like, you're cutting off a lot of potential. You're cutting off a lot of work that goes into your minor league system, which is then only – that they're probably going to use in the future to cut a lot of minor league teams, which is another bad idea. Not a great idea in my opinion. I yeah. – this is this – is, <laughs> Look, regardless of like their wallets hurting, this is only hurting them in the long run. And you're killing, you're basically, as the manager, big time manager Scott Boris put it, you might as well put up a sign that says, don't play our sport. Yeah, dude. Oh my God. This is such a, this is such a mess. This is such a mess because this could even potentially like delay, this argument could delay the start of the season. Now, now, get, you know, we talk about like the, you know, the owners, like, Okay. Okay. Let me let me let me reframe this. Okay. Okay. Let's go back. Let's 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 talk a little bit about Blake Snell, right? This man is supposed to make seven million dollars next year, right? And then he was like, okay. Then the league was like, you may split fifty fifty or something like that, right? Prorated agreement that they came up. They came up with a prorated agreement a couple months ago, two months ago. That basically said. We can't pay you for a full year of service if you're only going to play less than 162 games, which is reasonable. Right. Yes. So, Blake Snell was like, no, man. Like, I got to get my money. I got to get my money. Okay. Dude, this is the most tone-deaf thing I've ever heard, okay? I have to say, look. I get, I get the sentiment. I understand the sentiment. Like he wants his money. That's very fair. That's very fair that he wants his money. However, he's making, if he, he's supposed to make seven, he's maybe going to end up making three and a half million. Bro, most people in like 99% of the world doesn't make three and a half million their entire lives. That is one of the most tone deaf things I've ever heard. Look, like you've got to figure out a plan. I think the players, I think the players should be taking a pay cut. I think it should be it should be on some kind of scale. I think the less you make, the less of a pay cut you should take. The more you make, the more of a pay cut you should take. I think you have to use it on a scale. Um, I don't think you can justify giving I, I don't think you can justify taking away exactly half of the money, but I don't think you can justify completely paying them in full when they're not playing for a full season. I'm like very torn on this, but like I'm also not. That's what I think. So here's <laughs> here's what's really been hurt. I do not mind. Two things that you said. First, I don't mind that the MLB players are going to be taking a pay cut for playing less games. That's something that MLB players agreed to two months ago. Right. And a lot, most of like 99.9% .9 of MLB players are on board with that, including Blake Snell. He mentioned that. Right. What Snell and a lot more players are mad about now is that the MLB is trying to further cut their pay. They're trying to do a 50-50 revenue share, which basically means that the own, like all out of the money, like the way these players will be getting paid, the way these players will be getting paid, excuse me, is the money that is made through this shortened season, half of that will go to the owners and the other half will be divided, be divided up from the players, which means they'll be taking yet another pay cut. And that 
I don't like. Because that is the owners, the richer ones in this scenario, going back on their word that they said two months ago, saying prorated agreement, which means you're going to be paid less, playing less games. Players and owners agree to that, and now the owners are going a step further, and players are mad. And another thing I agree with is that the big-name players, and they should be probably taking a bigger pay cut than the littler players, because part of this agreement, I'm going to get, I'm going to get into a little bit of a story here. Part of this agreement is that um, the, oh, geez, part of this agreement is that they expand the roster. Uh, there's now, instead of a 26-man roster, there's going to be a 30-man roster and a 20-man taxi squad, which means right. that a lot more players are going to be younger and rookies and going to be getting paid league minimum, which is $500,000 right, right, for right. a base year. $500,000 for a base year, cut in half is $250,000. That's probably what they'd be paid based off of the agreement two months ago, an agreement they agreed to. Then you cut that again to whatever. We don't know what this revenue share agreement could be. That's a lot less money. Then you got to add on that it's being taxed. And you got to add on that it's going to, money's going to their agent. Then you got to add on that they got to possibly put, pay for big healthcare bills for their families. Although right. the MLB just released a huge 67 page document about the healthcare plan and keeping their players healthy and testing and all these things. These are young players that are already pretty manipulated by the league and the owners that are being more manipulated by the bigger paid owners. And I don't really think that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's such, it's such like a, it's such a weird, it's such a weird issue. Although like, I, like, look, if you're, if you're Blake Snell, like, you, you gotta, you gotta walk back on your word at least. Like, that's, like, re- like, you cannot, you cannot be making comments like that in a time where people are just like, actually losing, like, like, their jobs, you know, like, the jobs they, you know, maybe they spent, like, 20 years, like, working to build up their companies or whatever, like, working to get a higher position in their job, and, you know, they lose their job, you know, and maybe they're making nothing now, and, like, he's still guaranteed, like, three and a half million. Dude, like, you gotta calm down. You gotta calm the heck down. There's another expletive that should be used there, but I'm not. But like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I do think that it's unfair that Snell is talking about money problems when, yeah, he'd be put at risk if he went to play. But think about how much less money frontline workers are making right now. Yeah, and I was gonna say that. Listen, yeah, go ahead, Mike. No, listen. From an ILRE perspective, we're talking about the players, and I get it. Listen, uh, if you're a lower tier, lower tier player, and We've alluded to this previously on the show. We were talking about uh, a guy actually came in to talk to uh, Cornell FBS by the name of uh, Wolf, and he was a, a, a minor league uh, organizer and union organizer for minor leaguers who are yeah. tremendously underpaid. So now you, you factor in all these, and, and it upsets me, and I don't want to get too political, but you have these owners, and Jake, what do you always say? So the money is, is in the management. Money, the money management is where the money is. Yeah, management is where the money's at. So listen, you have these players. Some of them should be paid a little more. Some of them should be paid a little less. I think it's pretty much a system based on meritocracy and talent and, and you know performance results. But also there's a lot of people working at these ballparks who don't have jobs now. They do a lot of behind-the-scenes work, and they also you know have families and are human like the rest of us. So it's, it's a crazy situation. And, not just the players, you know, I could, I can understand that the players were sticking up, you know, if you're a $7 million player, if you're sticking up for the people and your stadium and you say, Hey, listen, I'm going to cover X amount for them. And, you know, that would be something that would resonate more with me, but obviously I understand that every player is different and there's different pay structures. Yeah. Yeah. Rob Manfred has said that he totally understands 
and respects if certain players wish to just not be on the roster this year. And he says they can come back when they want to and they have to re-earn their spot. But, um, and of course he, he didn't talk like specifics about like how these players would get paid if at all. But I mean, I think the owners and Manfred are suffering maybe not as much as the players are, but I think that players do need to make the choice about do they want to come back And I do feel that if they do want to come back, it should be more on their terms than the owners, despite both parties suffering. Interesting. Yeah, dude, it's a, it's a wild debate. It's going to rage honestly until the season starts. Like I'm sure we're going to have more to cover. We're we're definitely going to have more to cover. There's going to be more developments. Yeah. Um, Well, I'm optimistic that negotiations will wrap up soon because if they don't, then there's no season because you know, time is of time is a big constraint here. If, if, you know, Parties can't come to an agreement soon, then there's not enough time to get a season started. Yeah, bro. Just, like, figure it out. We get done. I want to see some baseball. I, like, I love the Bundesliga, but I don't know how long I can sustain that love. You know what I mean? Because I just hopped on the bandwagon today. So, um, What do you mean? You, you just talked day one on your Twitter account today. You're telling me that, you know, <laughs> that, 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 that implies that you're planning on going multiple days. Yeah, but, like, you know, I mean, I'll keep tweeting it out if it gets a like. But if it doesn't get a like, there's no point. Oh, it's um, about the media. Oh, okay. Sorry. Dude, it's about it's about the validation, it's about the likes. That's that's like what Twitter is. Me and my 23 followers, like they don't know that. They know. I'll be gonna follow you right after this to keep validating your. your <laughs> Please Twitter. do. Drop the handle. <laughs> drop the handle. Yeah, drop uh, the handle. What is should it? be just a Holzman Skyler. H O L Z M A N S K Y L E R. Please, please follow me, please. Um, oh, and, thank and you. mine is uh, at Jake Richards underscore. Oh. At Jake underscore Richards OO. I actually put my the list of big players that were cut. The list I was previously put talking about players that were drafted in later rounds and would not be drafted in this round. So if you want to see those players, check out our Twitter handles. Yeah, guys, go follow our Twitters. Mike, you got a handle drop? I got a handle. Don't follow me on Twitter. I barely use it. <laughs> <laughs> Facts. Yeah, but but however, however, Mike, it is your turn. Uh, to get red in the face. Let's toss it over to you. Yeah, I got something saucy to say. Um, and it's actually um, a quoting here, quoting here. So the man with the plan, Shaquille O'Neal, Shaq, put, sparked a lot of debate this past week by putting out a bold statement, a bold saucy statement of his own. And my man, Mr. Shaq, said, I'm paraphrasing here, basically said that his Lakers, again, his Lakers, along with Kobe Bryant, the late, the great Kobe, would beat and dismantle the Golden State Warriors, led by Steph Curry, and the, the Chicago Bulls of the 90s, led by Michael Jordan. Hot take. Now, personally, I think, and this is a, this is a debate, right, about the greatest NBA team of all time. It's a big question to answer. It's been some great teams. Yeah. Again, there's been a lot of seasons. There's a team winning a championship every season, pretty much, except for, you know, this season because of Corona. Well, you know. Right. Anyway, <laughs> right. you know, I, 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 can, I can see where Shaq's coming from. This three-peat Laker team in the early 2000s, from 2000 to 2002, Shaq and Kobe were a duo that were so dominant, man. Shaq and Kobe both averaged over 27 points per game. Meanwhile, Shaq was grabbing at least 10 rebounds a game, and Kobe was 
doing his all-around thing. Listen, he's not the he wasn't the, the best passer, but he was a dominant scorer. And meanwhile, right. these guys didn't even like each other. If you know the story <laughs> behind Shaq and Kobe, I mean, they won these championships, but they didn't even like each other. So just think about just the level of dominance for them to be this success, successful, and they didn't even like each other. So I think that speaks for itself in terms of the like the the, the just the prowess of this team during that time. I mean, imagine how good they would have been if they if they had liked each other. And again, this is a team where in the 99-2000 season, Shaq was the league-wide MVP. He missed the unanimous MVP by a single vote. Could have been the NBA's first ever unanimous MVP in 1999-2000, and he missed by one vote. And there's always that one guy, like, yeah, we always say. There's always that one Oh, guy. I hate that one guy. There's always that one, that one guy. guy, yeah. The Jeter. That one guy. And now the Alonzo, DeGrom. Oh, God. But anyway, this, this Shaq and Kobe, and then Shaq, he goes uh, to their, their first finals win, or, or second, rather. He faces uh, Kembe, the finger wag, Matumbo, who at the time was defensive <laughs> player of the year, right? Kembe Matumbo, the finger wag, he would block his shot every time. And he dominated him, man. He dominated. So Phil was coaching this team. Phil Jackson, he's a, he's a guru, guru of basketball. I think, you know, I think Shaq is – where he's coming from about the, the Lakers being the GOAT team. Well, uh, all right. That's a hot take. That's Skylar, hot take. you have a hotter one. Uh, I think, Jake, you might have an even hotter one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, admittedly, fellas, basketball is not my forte, but I have, I have some points to make. Take them with an assault, but also hear what I have to say. So, Mike, you're talking about how this – 2000, you know, 02 Lakers era is pretty elite. Talking how Phil Jackson was a mm-hmm. part of that. Well, guess what? Phil Jackson was also mm-hmm. a part of the 96, 97 Bulls. And I think that team is going to give the Lakers a run for their money here. Phil Jackson, you know, six championships, man. That's pretty impressive. Also, obviously had MJ who needs no introduction. You know, <laughs> one of the, look, one of the greatest, if not the greatest, another debate. I think he's one of the greatest. Alongside him, Scottie Pippen, the Robin to MJ's Batman. <laughs> can't ask for a better duo. Dominant all-around player. Look, obviously you had Dennis Robin getting the rebounds. He would grab 20 rebounds in one game. I mean, that's definitely more than the 10 rebounds a game that uh, Shaq was doing. Uh, look, you also had their Croatian sharpshooter, Tony Kukoc. I hope I said that name right. But, like, I don't know. It just seems to me that everything that the Lakers did – the, the 96-97 Bulls just did better. They had the same coach, elite, and they also had just the GOAT. So, mm. I don't know. It mm. seems to be that. Taken. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Wow. Wow. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a hot take. Um, but I'm going to offer a hotter take of, of my own. Oh, I'm ready for the heat. My own. Um, speaking of sharpshooters, well, how about – Speaking of flamethrowers, because you're bringing the heat. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's use that instead. Well, speaking of flamethrowers, like the heated takes I'm taking, I'm bringing to take. um, How about the 2015 to 2016 Golden State Warriors? You look at the sharpshooters slash flamethrowers. 
of uh, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Andre Iguodala, Sean Livingston. Okay, incredible. They made it to the finals five straight seasons from 2015 to 29, and that's right, five. That is uh, that is almost as many as nine in a row for LeBron James himself, which proves that he's better than MJ. But uh, that's not relevant right now. Um, they made it to five uh, finals five straight seasons. They broke the Bulls' 72 and 10 record by winning 73 games in a season, and Unlike Mike's point on Shaq, Curry is the only unanimous MVP in NBA history. Please, please try and come back. I don't know if you can, sir. Um, there, there, are, I, there are many different variables at play. Listen, they, these teams, we can all agree, play at a different time. And I have to say, I have to say that the Lakers, without a doubt, had the, the strongest competition when they got to the later stages of their season. Like, listen, I, I can understand a point, Jake, if you if you could attest to, like, the toughness of the 90s and how guys would just get hit. Like, I understand that MJ, yeah, you know, he, he would get hit, especially if you go back to the games versus the Detroit Pistons, the bad boy Pistons. They would come <laughs> and, and elbow him all over. You, you talk about red in the face, he would get elbowed in the face, MJ would. So... <laughs> It, it was pretty nasty in the 90s, but I think the 2000s also is underrated in terms of its grittiness. And I think that those two decades are totally incomparable to the 2015 Warriors timeline because now you have people getting called for flops and stuff. I mean, come on. Guys are not even getting touched in there, and they're getting called for flagrant fouls. I mean, come on, bro. Dude, dude. You look, I, look, I don't always, I don't always love – the win stat, but I'm going to use the win stat here. Look, 73 wins is 73 wins, including that 24-0 start. Uh, look, I think that speaks to itself. Game might be different, but wins are the same. I mean, just because the game's different, don't you think that just means they evolved to be better in said different game? You know, taking more – you know, they had all those sharpshooters. They're trying to avoid, you know, all the, I guess, like less – in your face sort of strategy that would have, you know, gotten more calls or less calls in different eras. You know what I mean? It seems to me that this team fit in that niche just as the Lakers and the Bulls fit into their niche. I feel like it's just, it's very difficult to compare during different eras, but at the same time they evolved in each of their eras to be the best in that era, which says yeah. don't. Very true. true. Very true. That's facts. That's facts. I don't know. It's contentious, bro. It's un- indubitably contentious. But uh, – and that's – I like that word. Um, it's probably my second favorite word, actually, aside from, like, allegedly. But that's not important right now. What oh, is important like, – What are you planning on, like, denying a lot of things, Skyler? <laughs> I, like, I like adding allegedly as, like, an element of potential denial just to make everyone, like, think about what I say slash when I say allegedly within the context of describing someone else saying something. That was a really poorly worded explanation, but I think if you're smart, you'll get it. I mean, to be fair, <laughs> I, I also didn't really make a – I didn't word my defense of the whole era argument very, very well. So, you know what? No, sir, Maybe. sir. It was, it was well done. I commend oh. you. I, especially oh. with basketball not being your, your forte and you still have all this information. Crazy. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate it. Um, uh, let's move on to our last couple of segments uh we'll run through these our favorite historical game recommendations of stuff you should watch historical Um, slash just yeah 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 you're everyone listening to this mine's not even a game 
and it's from last season. But talk about your <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, my historical game is the Astros versus Dodgers World Series Game Five, in which I believe took place in 2017. If I am correct, this game went into extra innings. Um, the final Wild. score, I think, was 13 to 12. I believe. Yeah. Uh, in favor of the Astros, yeah, like the offense, guys. This is really like no one will ever admit it, especially not pitchers, because like you know their jobs depend on it. But like fans, you want to see offense, man. You want to see stuff happening. So like third and twelve game in the World Series, like high stakes, unbelievable. Would definitely go take a look at that. I think it is available on YouTube. I actually have a question for you about that game. Did you watch that game live? Two questions. I did not. I actually think I watched some of it live, and maybe I fell asleep. Okay, so coming <laughs> now, watching that game, or at least rewatching parts of that game, knowing that that Astros team was cheating a lot. Maybe not yeah. – it's debated about if they were cheating in the postseason. Maybe, maybe not. According to MLB, not. But it's still an online but topic. Like, maybe, be, yeah. did, did things – did it feel different? Did it, did, it, did it just clap different, man? Like – um, You know, I mean, I haven't, I haven't gone back and, and watched the game. But I remembered the game very well. And I've seen – I think I watched oh, I see, the highlights of the game recently. But – it definitely your perspective definitely changes because like it gave it gives you so much more respect for the Dodgers because it, if in fact the Astros were cheating it makes you respect much more the fact that the Dodgers were able to keep coming back like keep coming back from being down like so so honestly props to them and honestly like yeah it changes a little bit but like end of the day it's a good baseball game so like you gotta appreciate it I I to bring commentary <laughs> on that game and those. T- I'm obviously I'm not a fan of the Astros, but I all I just I find the Dodgers the most laughable team of all time. I like I I feel bad for their fans, but I feel bad for the team just because it's honestly kind of funny to watch them do really well almost every regular season and then just be <laughs> terrible in the postseason. Like remember in remember the game five of the NLDS last year where Howie Kendrick hit a grand slam. And uh, it was like um, Clayshaw gave up two consecutive home runs. Kershaw gave up two consecutive home runs, and they show him all alone on the bench. That that's just hilarious. It's <laughs> it's funny. It's it's funny to watch. It's funny to watch. I don't know. That's that's just it, it sucks for them, man. But they, you gotta get it done. Like what can you say? You gotta get it done. Um, uh, Jake, what is your what is your favorite historical game, bro? Slash so, yeah, not game. <laughs> Breaking away from <laughs> me laughing at the Dodgers. Um, <laughs> about last year's derby that home run derby was insane so you had big name hitters like jock peterson vlad guerrero jr ronald acuna jr pete alonso a lot of young stars in this home run derby and obviously if anybody's heard watch this you saw how vlad guerrero jr uh hit 29 home runs in the first round and broke the the round record which is insane and then semifinal with Jock Peterson that was crazy how they went into like triple overtime they had to do like two rounds of swing offs which was crazy but you want to know who I was actually impressed by the most in this home run derby and not just because of their home run hitting power but because of just their pure hitting set Ronald Acuna Jr. because like you looked at guys who had a very impressive derby like Vlad Guerrero Vlad Guerrero's um batting practice uh, pitcher or the guy who was throwing him the balls was really really good at giving him the ball right where he wanted it so he could just pull dead pull the ball to left field and crush it he crushed it he has amazing power 
what yeah. Ronald Acuna Jr. did that I didn't see many other players doing in this home run derby was hit things all over the strike zone and hit things with power to all fields. This guy's a right-handed hitter. He's hitting the right field. He hits dead center. He's hitting left. Like, if you looked at his spray chart of every round he was in, he yeah. was in the final – and he was in the first round and the second round. His spray chart was all over the field. And Man. that's to me that he's a better pure hitter than Vlad Guerrero Jr. is. Don't get me wrong. Vlad Guerrero Jr. is an amazing power hitter, rookie. A lot of people said he didn't deserve to be in that home run derby. He definitely did, given his, like, historical performance. But right, right, right. obviously the crown went to Pete Alonso, uh, probably because Vlad Guerrero Jr. had to hit 69 home runs prior to the final round, and Alonso nice. had to hit, like, I think it was, like, 35 but still yeah it's just like nothing that championship I'm I'm happy for him but I don't know like I wasn't looking at that home run derby like oh I want to see who the best home run hitter is which is a bit unconventional but I was looking yeah. and I was really impressed <laughs> with all the juniors ability to just smack the ball all over the field like like it was instinct like you, you don't see that in a lot of young players so I, I was really impressed yeah. dude mad respect bro it's yeah. just wild like uh rounded it out rounded it out Mike what you got well, I got a historic game of the week that I was tuning into for you. I got this MLS soccer game. If you all have ever heard of the Hudson River Derby. Anybody? I Exactly. NYCFC versus New York Red Bulls uh, established in 2015. But the game I picked out out of this, you know, half a decade long almost series was the second game ever played between the two sides. It was in June 2015. Watching this on ESPN before, uh, the Red Bulls came away with 3-1 win. And Red Bulls, honestly, have historically dominated this quote-unquote rivalry. I mean, you have the new rich kids of NYC coming in, in NYCFC with all this money and new jerseys and whatever. And they have uh, David Villa, this big-name uh, Spaniard come in to lead the team, but they've honestly had uh, not that much success as the more hardworking and, and kind of, you could almost say, blue-collar uh, New York Red Bulls. So anyway, if you tune in to any of these uh, Derby games, you'll probably see this man by the name of Bradley Wright Phillips scoring a goal. He is the lead goal scorer out of, you know, all the games played in this Derby. He's a monster, and actually, you could say it, it runs in the family. His father is actually legendary striker Ian Wright, who used to score a, a bunch of goals, goals galore for my team of the Prem, the Arsenal. The Gunners, baby. Exactly. Yeah. Dude, that's huge, bro. Yeah, guys, check it out. Please do check it out. Like, this will pass your time. This is, this is it. That's all it takes. Um, to round out, round out the entire show, run real quick through a new segment of very eloquently called cool, random fact about relevant athlete. Um, so, uh, so I'll, I'll run with mine real quick. Um, it turns out we just found this out actually mid show, uh, that, uh, Rob Gronkowski, uh, also known as Gronk, uh, he owned, he legally owns the rights to the phrase, yo soy fiesta, which means I am party, uh, I don't have much to say about that. I just think that's funny, and it's on brand. So congratulations, it's, yeah, it's, it's it's one of those things where you laugh because you're not surprised. <laughs> right. I mean, 
gentleman, uh, the lawyer in me, uh, is calling for some um, some legal fact checking on this one. I, I don't believe that Gronk <laughs> uh, exclusively owns the rights to say "Yo soy fiesta." Uh, I know that it, it was a famous quote uh, during an interview with a Mexican news outlet, if I'm not mistaken. And listen, I'm a big Gronk guy. I love Gronk. I don't love the Patriots. I don't, I don't love that team, but I like I like Gronk. He's great. He's somewhat of a role model. <laughs> what I will say is that I will be very disappointed if I'm wrong on this one because I do not want the banter to get billed for saying yo soy fiesta after what I, I just said it about like three or four times now. Yeah. It's okay. It's okay. We all know that there was like, there was a little trademark sign to next to you actually saying it. Yeah. Yeah. If we get, if we, somehow no, get close I mean, we quoted him, we, we we quoted him. So, listen. yeah, we gave him all legal, all legal, you know, ownership of that. You know, we gave right. him. Yeah, yeah, we're good. <laughs> if you, exactly, exactly. And if people give us money, like I asked them to on the show, that will pay for our legal fees in case we're in trouble. Um, <laughs> so, 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 Jake, uh, take us away with a random fact about a relevant athlete. I thought this was pretty funny. Uh, now retired Yankees great pitcher, CeCe Sabathia. For those who don't know, CeCe is a big boy. And I mean, like, 6'6", <laughs> six, six, well over 300, 350 pounds. Like, this is the guy who's gut <laughs> over his baseball pants. Mad respect for the dude, passionate, powerful pitcher, but you know him when you see him. And yep. um, <laughs> there was a photo of like social media. Right. He's now like yoked. He's shredded. I've never seen a guy retire and then get in better shape. Kind of like us. <laughs> yeah, kind of like yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. Yeah, he's. Oh my god, dude, he's big. And and, and uh, he has his own podcast. And um, like his pot his podcast partner was like, "No, this isn't photoshopped," because so many people were like, "That's fake." <laughs> Oh my god, guys! On that, absolutely, like never before have I seen an athlete retire and then get in immense better shape post retirement. I guess he's been hitting the gym during quarantine. Dude, you got it. You have to see these photos if you haven't. If you're listening to this and haven't seen these photos, they're, they're unbelievable. He's jacked. He's jacked. He's, yeah, it's shredded. Just it's get him before and after. Like get him before and after or something. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. incredible. Oh my god. Um, last fact of the day. Mike, what you got for us? Speaking of men hitting the gym, I have to go back to the GOAT, Michael Jordan. (laughs) Now, one thing outside of his weight room escapades that you might not know about him is actually his college major. Now, Jordan, again, attended UNC, legend there, as well as during his time with the Bulls. Can either of you two guess what his major was? Kinesiology. What'd you say, Scott? It's like kinesiology. You what said the heck philosophy. is that? It's the it's study like the of like the... tape. Yeah, it's, it's like the physical. <laughs> it's like fancy for physical therapy. It's something. Okay, what was it, Mike? <laughs> You're not gonna give me a guess, Jake. Wait, no, like, he guessed philosophy. Oh, I said philosophy. Oh, philosophy. Oh, close. Oh, close. It was actually cultural geography. Pretty interesting major. Okay. Now listen, I, I think if if you do if we do some further research on this, 
I, I could very well see that how this has helped transform the Jordan brand into a global empire. So maybe this cultural geography paid off. I mean, he's got a big market in China and other nations. Listen, this guy, I know he's a basketball star. I know he's the greatest of all time, but who talks about his academic pursuits? I mean, he's, he became a billionaire because of Jordan brand too. His office all yeah. court endorsements. So listen, I think yeah. he put this thing to good use. Everybody's talking about his basketball stats, but where's the love for his GPA? Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Yo, honestly, marketing, marketing whiz, marketing fiend. Oh my God. And there's no doubt about that, dude. Like worldwide, unreal. Absolutely unreal. That's really funny. The cultural geography, I would not have guessed that. I would have guessed like VD culture or entomology or ornithology or like anything before that. You know, Hotel guys, administration. I think I'm going to switch my major. I think I'm going to st study uh, cultural geography. Yeah, dude. I mean, and then you just get, you get drafted. That's how it works. Oh yeah. Yeah. Easy money. <laughs> wow. Guys, uh, this is, this is, uh, the end of the longest show we've ever done on Big Red Mentor, which really? I yeah, longest show ever. Um, so we are we are still setting records, uh, in our respective homes. Very very impressive. Um, guys, uh, absolute absolute pleasure today. Um, amazing show. Thank you guys so much. It's a pleasure to be here. Pleasure to talk to the boys. Dude, same here. Likewise, after a show like this, I am at a loss for words. Not the word Me wizard too. at a loss for words. We've drained you of all your power, bro. That's how we're gonna have to end it. That feels that feels right. Uh, <laughs> incredible. Thanks, guys. Uh, and uh, yeah, again, follow our social media accounts: WBBRFM Sports on uh, on Twitter, on Instagram, and uh, keep an eye out for more content coming out soon. You have no idea what's gonna hit you, so check that out. Thank you, guys, very much, and uh, we'll be back in two weeks.